Hello, friends. While editing this podcast, I noticed that my mic has certain errors where it would clip and pop a little bit. It is a bit distracting, so I apologize for that. I fix it in the middle of the episode, but thankfully, I give most of the talking time to our guest. And now to the podcast. Hello, everyone. It is your brother Hampton from Hybrid Calisthenics. I'm here with Christy Brown, and this is the Hybrid Calisthenics podcast. Uh, we're back from an unintentional hiatus. We've n- nothing wrong. We're just uh, been doing other things, but we're here to discuss healthy eating, diet, intuitive eating. Uh, Christy, uh, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here, Hampton. Thanks for having me. This is the best place. I love it. Right, uh, and you are um, one of our. One of our one of our first recurring guests. You've been on here before, but I just really want to reintroduce you to our platform. So uh, I'm sure everyone will love you. Can you tell everyone just a little bit about what you do, your backstory, and you are called intuitively strong. I think yeah. still on social media. So you specialize in intuitive eating. Can you give some background on what that is and how you connect to it? Absolutely. So I was a former athlete, former former bodybuilder, um, former total health junkie, and I got to an extreme obsessive point with it to the point to where it started affecting my social life. I wasn't going out to eat anymore. Um, I had to bring my meals with me everywhere. Every time we went out to dinner, my head was clouded with macros. And is this a good or bad food? Should I have this or this? I'm going to have to punish myself with a workout tomorrow if I eat this. And I really want this, but I should have this. And my whole brain was just taken over by macros and by, by good and bad food lists. And I should have this and I shouldn't have this. And um, it all had to do with keeping this lean body that, that I had gotten after my bodybuilding show. And I felt like I couldn't lose it at any cost. So um, my body was in an extremely lean state, like unstable lean to the point to where I had um, lost my period, which was one of my vital functions to survive. <laughs> and mm. um, to the point to where I started making myself mentally sick and I started developing eating disorders to try and keep this lean body. So um, it, it got to a point to where um, I just couldn't take it anymore. I had done this for five years. And at this point, I would just became so obsessive that each new diet kept getting worse and worse. And even these so-called wellness plans that I went on just kept making things worse because the more restriction I had in my life, the more that these cravings persisted. So I found intuitive eating online. I found a coach just like myself now and um, dove into this world. And it was the scariest thing I had ever done. Um, The fact that gaining weight now meant healing my relationship with food was a scary thought. So um, now I teach people how to do this. I teach people how to venture into this world of all foods can fit because all foods can fit in amounts that feel good to you, Hampton, and amounts that feel good to me. Like an Oreo and a cookie, they can all fit in a healthy world. People just restrict them so much that they end up binging on them or they end up overeating on them. So I teach people how to allow cookies and a salad to coexist in a world and to still be healthy. Um, I actually teach people how to lessen this anxiety around food and how to basically feel normal around food again, Um, how to trust yourself around food, how to be able to have any food in the house without overeating it or without eating the whole thing in one sitting or eating in secret because I've done all those things. I know exactly how it feels. And um, I'm here to help like break people out of this hell, this prison of just food rules and restrictions. Okay, that's great. And just to give some context for some people who may not be familiar with that, um, 
that's a pretty big issue, isn't it? Some people don't face that, but this idea of not having, not being able to have certain foods in the house because you're afraid that you'll eat all of them. Yeah. Is that a pretty big issue that you see? It is something that is so common, but it's not normal. Like it's become so such a thing in our world to say, oh, let's be bad. Let's, let's have the French fries. They have to come on you and me, let's be bad together. You know, we're going to have this or where it's so common to say, oh, you know what? I better go for another workout because I just ate that cheeseburger. And you know, that's really unhealthy for me. Like these things have become just normal sentences in our daily life. It's like, now I just like, it's almost like, hi Hampton, I'm Christy. I'm on the keto diet. Nice to meet you. Like, this is how we talk to people now. You know, I heard one person in the grocery store telling another person not to get an apple because of the amount of sugar in it. And I'm just like in my head thinking there are like, I think 11% of the entire world gets enough fruits and vegetables into their diets. Mm -hmm. Why are we shaming carrots or apples for having too much sugar or anything <laughs> like this? Like to me, when we start to say, what's the best kind of fruit to eat? What's the best kind of vegetable to eat? We're pigeonholing ourselves into this obsessive health world. Health is not obsessive. It's like a good relationship, right? It's, it's trusting. It's something that you can rely on. It's something that you, you don't hold on tight to um, and cling to. It's something that you allow to flow freely or else it feels imprisoned itself. So there's a lot of psychology behind this and there's a lot of um, internal mental health going on that people don't understand. We're almost trying to fix our outsides um, before we fix our insides. So my goal is to help you heal from the inside out rather from the outside in. To heal your relationship with food and to stop binge eating or overeating, it's an inside job. It has really nothing to do with eating healthier foods. That actually kind of makes it worse. Um, it has more to do with healing what's going on with like the underlying issues, like peeling back the layers. It's kind of like an onion. Keep peeling back the layers to what's really, really deep inside. Right. So Really, you're talking more about the psychology behind how we approach food, uh, because um, in your experience, especially as a, as a bodybuilder, you can be obsessive and you can be knowledgeable and have access to knowledgeable coaches. I think you said you had a macro coach before uh, to tell you exactly what to eat if you want a certain body. Um, but that part, in your opinion, neglects a very important aspect of how we approach food, and that is the psychology behind it. Um, and... I th this came to me as you were talking, how we don't have to trade off being happy with being healthy. Yes, yes that is so, so true. So true. So there's this idea that um, in order for us to be healthy, we have to have the mental discipline to suffer a little bit and eat things that we don't want to eat. Mm -hmm. um, what are some things that in your experience you tried while you realized well, first of all, when you were down this path of being a bodybuilder, mm -hmm. uh, what was the first kind of warning sign? Um, that made you realize this is not sustainable and I have to get on a better path. And what are some things you tried before you got to intuitive eating? Totally. Um, the one thing I, I will remember, and I will never forget this is taking my ISO bag or my six pack bag. If you guys know what that is, it's like a meal prep, like cooler, but it's like a lunch box, but it's bigger. So you can fit like all of your meals in it. Cause I used to mm -hmm. take that with me daily, wherever I went. And I was at my friend's wedding. I was in her wedding and literally, you know, how you have the wedding table and they're sitting up there. I had to run into the hotel room after, you know, right before dinner, right before everybody sat down for dinner and grab my ISO bag and bring it down because I would not allow myself to eat the, the bad foods, the over sodium processed foods that were at the wedding. 
So that to me was like kind of a red flag, but I'm like, no, 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 no. You're dedicated. You're strong. You can do this. Look at you. Like go hard, no days off. This is what it's all about. You know, you're different than everybody else. And that like almost empowered me to a very unhealthy mental state. If that makes sense. Okay. So fair enough. Now, can someone do that and be healthy and be happy? So dieting is meant for short term. Uh, people mm-hmm. use it as a lifestyle or they'll use it and say, oh, well, you know, if I don't eat carbs ever again, then I'm just going to feel better and it'll be great. That's awesome. But we live in a world where everything is so abundant. Like Hampton, if I want to hang out with you, I'm like, hey, let's go grab dinner. Let's go grab lunch. Da, da, da. Let's bring our families. Let's hang out. Da, 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 da. Everything's revolved around food. Everything um, we celebrate around food. You know, food is like a, a happy thing for us in, the, in our culture. Right. And you could live without that. Like, like I tell my clients, you can live without a cell phone. You can live without a TV. You can live without lights in your house. Um, but would that be great? Would you love to live without your phone right now? You know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. You can live that life, but there's an extreme to it. So I went to an extreme on this side. I've also been to an extreme on this side where I didn't take care of myself at all. My goal Hmm. is to bring people in the middle. So you can still bring some of those things in. So at the wedding, you know, I might want to choose some of my foods if if I'm going down a path of where I'm, I'm really looking to, um, you know, build more muscle or do something like this. You can do that, but not to an obsessive state. Um, also, I've been to this place where I've totally just not taken care of myself at all. And it's also a terrible state. So bringing people to this middle ground, to this center, this, this so-called balance is, is what you can do to be happy, but also healthy. I got you. So I guess what I'm wondering is we go back to this wedding and you, you ran back to your room to get this bag. How much would it have actually affected your bodybuilding goals at the time if you had just eaten whatever at the wedding? So like how how much was that was mental and how much of it was actually like you trying to get to a certain point in your body? Really good point. So at that time I was training for my competition. And like I said, if I were to do that and it was, uh, it's only for 16 weeks, it's a short-term thing. Um, if you're training for a sport or something like this, or you have to go in for a weigh-in for, um, a competition or a wrestling or whatever it might be that you do, I think that's a little different, but, and I always tell people it wasn't bodybuilding that took me into this. It was after the show, it was having to keep that look after the show. And this is what I tell people with, with those physique goals, like, Hey, I want to get six pack abs. Hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. Hey, you can do that, but there's a cost to leanness. There is a cost to that extreme leanness. And me, I'm not built, my genetics, like I'm not built to stay extremely lean. Like that's just not me. I'm built um, to have more muscle and more fat on my body and that's okay. Like that's just who I am. That's who my ancestors are. Um, it's, It's who I am. But I mean, to say that everybody has to have this look of health, you know, that's, that's what our culture like does right now, it says, okay, you have to have the look of health. And to me, it was just like the thought of if I eat that, then I won't be healthy. And this is why I also don't label foods as good or bad because eating a cookie doesn't make you unhealthy. Um, And just like eating a salad doesn't make you healthy just by eating that one thing. You know, you're a healthy person, Hampton, and I'm sure you've had a cookie in your life. 
Yeah. Like it doesn't make you a bad person. Many it cookies. doesn't make you unhealthy. No, it just, I don't label food because then it labels yourself as good or bad as healthy or unhealthy. I can still be healthy and eat a cookie. It's, it's not the end of the world, but in that mindset of all or nothing of black or white thinking, which I was and which most people are in, in this world of health is, is, is black or white. I'm either on or I'm off. I'm either doing good or I'm off. So the thing is, I, during that competition, like it all starts with like wanting to lose an innocent 10 pounds. Right. But that perfection bar keeps moving. And once you lose the 10 pounds, you're like, okay, now I want a flat stomach. Once you get the flat stomach, you want six pack abs. Okay. Now I want a quads hanging over my knees. Okay. Now I want, you know, all these things that I thought I wanted. And when I got them never made me happy. I was never like, Oh, once I get this, then I'll be happy. You know, once I lose 10 pounds, then I'll be happy. It was that perfection bar kept moving. So that's what, what this black or white world of thinking does. That's what this black or white world of eat the wedding food or don't eat the wedding food. You're good or you're bad. If you don't does to us because health, we think it's in a look, but it's not, it's in a mental state. It's in a state of mind and how you take care of yourself. I see. Um, that's actually, you brought up several good points. First of all, when you mentioned the quads going over your knees, I hadn't really heard that before. And I just really quickly checked to see if mine right. it was a goal <laughs> of mine. It was a total I, goal of mine. <laughs> um, I, had, I had never really thought about that. Um, and that's something that people actually bring up to me. And first of all, just because I have a lot of people who, you know, I'm very blessed that they like me and I, I don't want them to feel like I'm being attacked because I really don't. I've always been tremendously resistant to peer pressure okay like you're, there's certain parts of your brain that aren't supposed to develop to resist peer pressure until you're like 25 I, i'm pretty sure i had that like five because people when people laughed at me and said hampton if you don't do this you're a loser i'm like guess i'm a loser then ha <laughs> there's a so um there's been certain the fitness does have a certain that we, we perceive it as having a certain look and for someone who is into health and fitness and has a brand and uh, multiple channels revolving around health and fitness, I, you know, arguably don't always fit that look of what, of what people think, you know, like, um, there are some videos, I, I like to do most videos closed, um, which is, which is interesting, but there's some videos where I take off my shirt and people are surprised that I'm not as lean that, as they would expect me to be. Um, and I've just personally, you brought up several key words that I, I think in my brain, I never feel defensive about it, but I just, I've experimented with different um, different body fat percentages, I guess, unintentionally, because I, I naturally skew very lean. I naturally skew very, like I, I have a super fast metabolism. I burn a lot of calories just naturally. I just, I have a lot of energy. Like when I sit down, I kind of like, I joke that kind of vibrate <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, so I naturally skew very lean, but this is just the most sustainable thing for me. Um, I am not what I would call chubby, um, but I am also not just like shredded. So just to answer people's questions, that's, that's honestly why, because I can still do most, if not all of what I want to do, you know, and like my stuff is a little different. Like I, I like to do certain, like, I like certain calisthenics feats and stuff. I can still do all of that at this body fat percentage. Now, if I were to actually to get more shredded, so to speak, if I, if I, if I lost a lot of fat, it'd be very simple for me, actually, because I, I naturally burn a lot of calories. However, the benefit of that doesn't really outweigh the potential cost, which is being able to eat a burger when I want um, and, and certain things like that. I, I can still do that. I can still do that. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't really have a benefit of that. Some people would admire me, but let's, this is why I started the conversation with peer pressure is 
I don't really, I don't really crave that admiration of someone saying like, "Wow, he shredded." Now, if some people do, that's not necessarily bad. And just to address a, like a real quick question, because I we have some bodybuilders and powerlifters in the audience. In your opinion, um, is it is it possible to be a bodybuilder, a pro bodybuilder, or like a very like first of all like an amateur one, and also yeah. one that's like pushing the limits? Of like in in their field, like the ones that are celebrities and being very good at it, is it possible to do that and still have what you call a healthy relationship with your food? So it's a really good question, and um, I believe if if I would have went into bodybuilding with a different notion, with a different um, ending outcome, so bodybuilding, and they'll tell you this, it's all about the journey. Like, and I had a phenomenal time. Like. I pushed myself so hard because I actually went into bodybuilding because I just experienced uh, trauma in my life. And so um, my therapist was like, you need to go do something for yourself. And I'm like, I always wanted to do this. I'm going to just do it. Like but it's before I had kids, BK before kids, like just, you know, I was married and we were kind of just doing our thing. And I'm like, all right, 16 weeks, I can, I can do this. It'll be great. And to me, that was the best part about that. Like, I don't really shame bodybuilding I shame what happens after it um the fact that you feel like you have to keep that body because people will think that you gave up on yourself and this is the bodybuilding world in general um people will look at you like you gave up on yourself um, you aren't trying hard enough that you're not with health that you're not doing enough and that's the motivation that keeps you going so I lived my exact opposite life like you did. I lived for strangers walking down the street being like, oh, wow, you look so fit. Like how often do people say that? But people would come up to me at the gym and say that, wow, you've had two kids, you look so great. And I lived for that. Like I, my whole being was for that. And that's where I think training just for aesthetics Um, And that's all bodybuilding is really like, if you think about it, you're being judged by the shape of your muscles, how your muscles come out. And a lot of that has to do with genetics. Like, sorry to say, but a lot of it has to do with how you're built. And so you can diet down, do whatever you need to do. But the people that have the the boom, bang, awesome genetics are going to be your Olympia winners. Plus, if you go to that pro stage, um, if you go to the Olympia places like that, you cannot do it without without steroids, without, you know, walking into that world too. So, Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, I mean, you have to really weigh out the options of your mental health here. And uh, I do believe that if people walk into bodybuilding and if they literally say, okay, I'm going into this knowing that I'm going to keep this body for one day. Like if you pin on Pinterest, I see so many women doing this, but they'll pin images of these bodybuilding women on their uh, body goals board. And it's just like, don't ever do that. That is uh, malnutrition, dehydration. And that is um, more than likely uh, women like with their fifth vital sign shut down, meaning they are usually not having their periods because they're so lean Um, and their body is actually not functioning. That's actually, it's not a good thing. So, and that happened to me as well because I got so lean. And so um, when you're doing that, it's important to say, I'm keeping this body for a day and that's it. Like I, I will not have this body. It is not healthy for me to keep this body afterwards. And even the pro bodybuilders, the guy that I worked with, he was a a incredible bodybuilder, um, Mm -hmm. pro on all levels. He was wonderful, but he said, you have to allow your metabolism to reset. You have to allow the fat to come back on because after a show, when you've gotten so lean, your body's natural state is to 
like find fat and keep it because your body is temporarily in this kind of like famine mode. And so any fat that it's going to get in, it's going to store it. You're in prime fat storage mode. So Hmm. people will try and stop that, but that's just your body's survival mechanism. It's just trying to keep you alive. You know what I mean? And we fight it and we fight it. And I fought that for five years and I ruined my metabolism. I mean, my metabolism just crashed. Um, I started getting really cold all the time. Um, my body, my hair was kind of falling out. My, my teeth were wow. like enamel was coming out. It was, there's a lot of bad things that can happen to this. If you go into that obsessive point. So if you go into this Hampton to very, sorry, long story, answer your question. You have no, no, it's fine. <laughs> with the mindset of, I will not keep this body. And, and that's the hardest part. Cause once you have that body, you don't want to lose it because for fear of people thinking you gave up on yourself. I see. Okay. So this is, um, I don't know if I was just like, I'm better at paying attention or you had a, like a better story <laughs> uh, because you, you, like in, in our first podcast, you, you told me that story and uh, my mic's a little loud. You told me that story and I was listening, I was paying it, but I didn't understand it quite the way I do now, uh, which is body, body, bodybuilding is fine but it's really meant to prepare your body for a display on one night um where you're judged by it and then afterwards people don't walk around the way we see them in in photos like when obviously we take a lot of photos because it took a lot of effort to get to that one day of a certain look but we don't walk around looking like this and it's not sustainable and in your opinion it's not healthy period to to look like that no as someone who's done it as someone who's done it you might get that like random like like one percent person that just has that look all your right right that's like saying i mean less than one percent i was exactly yeah like that's 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 like saying that but but honestly even those fit spos that you see you're like oh but he's always got six-pack abs or like i follow a lot of calisthenics people because i love what you guys do you're amazing and um i'm just like okay i I can't even tell you the amount of DMs that I get on my Instagram that are fitness professionals, um, fitness like influencers that are saying, I need help. Like I have exactly what you're talking about. And people really? are fawning over them about, oh, but she drinks this shake in the morning and you know she only eats 1200 calories a day and she looks like this and I wanna look like that. And I'm like, and obviously I don't display their story but I'm like, they are struggling so hard right now. They are, they are in, in hell right now because they are, they feel like they have to keep this body because now it's become their job. So don't forget, even if that is a fitspiration that you see on Instagram or something, mm-hmm. if it's your job to look like that, then yes, your life is going to change to that. But most of us have, we don't have to look a certain way. We think we do, but we don't, mm-hmm. we don't have to look any way to be valuable, worthy, or empowering to ourselves. Right. Um, and I, that's really interesting that you mentioned that. And I didn't know that, um, especially since you, we've both grown a little bit since our, um, yeah. our previous podcast and congratulations <laughs> on that. Great. I, I, I think you're helping a lot of people. I think you're helping a lot of people. Um, I, I say this next, next question, not to exclude anyone, but really to in- feel, make some people feel more included, yeah. which is when you were talking about these fitness professionals and you know, some of, some of them are that's what their job. Some of them just do it on Instagram. But regardless, they message you this and they say that they have this problem and they ask you for help. I'm curious, how, do you notice a certain percentage of female versus male? Like, is it a bigger issue with females versus uh, with women versus men or no? Yeah, so 
it's a lot of it. I would say most of it happens with women, but because of the way our culture is going, that health isn't a look and that's it. I've seen, I've had a lot of men open up to me too. Um, which is actually somebody just DM'd me this morning and, and was like, thank you for this. Like I, I needed to hear this. And I've had a couple of male clients um, and males are not excluded from this. Like, you know, females, if you think about it, we were taught to be small, humble, and quiet. Like you be big, but not too big. Have dreams, but not too big of dreams. And for men, you guys were taught you got to be strong. You got to be the men. You got to have masculinity. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to be this like tough guy all the time. And, and that's not necessarily the case. Like when you feel like you have to keep up that facade, like that's a story you're making up in your head. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's not real. That's, that's mm -hmm. not real at all. So just my two cents on that. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's pretty much what I expected. And that, that makes sense. Um, Oh, I, I got I got a really uh, what I thought was a good audience question. It's relevant yeah, to what we're yeah. talking about now. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's not olive oil. Um, it is oil violi. Oil violi asks, um, <laughs> is it worth it to pay a professional, at least at first, to help you determine how to achieve your goal body? Nothing seems to work for me. Sad face. So, um... Your see to me when you say your ideal body when I talk to my clients about their ideal bodies your ideal body to me is where it's it's most sustainable where you are not restricting yourself where you can live your life where you're working out for um, enjoyments and movements and and release uh, and not for punishment of the calories that you ate to me that's where your ideal body lies so um, I and you know it depends I don't know anything about you I'm so sorry but uh, if you're in this place, it sounds like you've tried everything. You're at that point where I don't know, maybe you're a chronic dieter. I knew I was, I tried every diet in the book. I just know them all by, by heart. I could give you macros like off the count of my hands like this, like that. But the truth is all these diets are doing every time we go on another diet, every time we put our, our livelihood into somebody else's hands, we're taking that trust away from ourselves. We're taking that trust away from, man, I really want milk with my dinner now, but I said, it, it said, I, you know, my meal plan said I should just have water. So I'm just going to have the water, but I really want milk. God, I don't know why I'm craving milk. You know, when I was pregnant, I, there were times when I would crave, I would eat like 10 oranges in a day because my body was needing vitamin C. Um, I, I'm a true believer that you will crave once you heal your relationship with food and your body, you will crave what your body needs. So when I was craving those oranges, it was because I needed vitamin C and I looked it up and, you know, during your second trimester, this is a normal thing. Your body needs that. I was also like addicted to cereal and sandwiches. So like, you know, my body was just looking for different things. So when you can start to trust your body, you will find your ideal body. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and th that was just a really good question that I saw and that was relevant. Yeah, so thank you so much absolutely. for asking that. Um, and that brought up something that I was wondering when you were telling the story about how bodybuilding, while we see this, these images, um, this really meant for a short-term thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's, we don't go around walking like this. And I, I mean, even people who aren't bodybuilders say this. Um, this calisthenics guy I follow, I, I don't mind mentioning him. Out, his name is Al Cavadlo. Cavadlo. Um, you know, people ask him, he's like, what about these other people I see on YouTube? And these aren't what you would consider bodybuilders or just calisthenics people. They say, how do I get as shredded as, as he is or as she is? And he said, I know a lot of these people in person. First of all, um, they're really good people, but they are not 
as big as they look in their images. He, he's a pretty small guy, and that's nothing wrong with that. But he's like he's not as big as he looks in his <laughs> Instagram profile picture. And they don't walk around looking that shredded. They, they, they don't walk. Around, no. <laughs> they, they don't walk around like that. No. Yeah. Um, now, given that, uh, given that this is almost by nature's design an inherently short-term way to look, how did we? Be, how did we arrive to this as the ideal image of fitness? How did we arrive to this idea that um, that the fitness is this look? You have to be shredded. You have to be lean if you're a woman and massive if you're a guy. And like, I just want to touch upon this comment I saw. He said, a lot of men have this issue too, but they don't want to speak up because they're afraid of being seen as weak. Yeah. How did we arrive to this point um, of where we idolize these inherently unsustainable bodies? In your That's opinion? a really good question. And it's, it's because of our diet culture. So diet culture is the, um, the thought that health isn't a size or a look and bless our parents. They were doing the best that they could, but how I grew up Hampton was my mom was always on a diet. She was always in fix it motor on her body. Always, always, always Hampton. I did not know one woman in her life that loved her body or said something nice about their body. Um, I grew up of course with a brother and a dad who, when they saw, uh, you know, like a hot chick on TV, it was like, Oh, look at her legs and Oh, look at her stomach. Okay. Gotta have a flat stomach. Okay. Gotta have nice legs. Oh man. Look at, look at her. You know, it was always like a flat stomach. That was like the big thing. So I'm like, okay, gotta have a flat stomach. Gotta have a flat stomach. So you grow up thinking that this is the way of life, right? Like as a woman, you're thinking, I always have to be in fix-it mode. As a man, I always have to be tough. I, I can't ever let my guard down. Also, I'm going to be a snowflake or else I'm going to be, you know, this weak, weak guy. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's really our conditioning. It, it's our conditioning from, from society, from the media, um, from, oh my gosh, you can't even walk into the grocery store without seeing like keto approved yogurt and stuff like this. And and lose 10 pounds in, in 10 minutes this way on an infomercial or the six minute ab blaster, this or that. And, and these are all those like quick fix solutions. These are all that very non-sustainable. Um, like this is why the, the fitness industry is, is so insane because they have people coming back to them all the time. Like it, think about it. If you were a mechanic and your car was constantly breaking down, would you still take it back to that mechanic? You know what I mean? Like, but that's what we do with health. We, we start on a diet, didn't work. Go back, do another one. Go back, do another one. We're taking it to a mechanic that doesn't know what he's doing. So right. that's what we're doing to our bodies. And, and again, we take away that trust from it. So we, we do this because of conditioning. I mean, I had, to, it was a total like paradigm shift. Like, oh my God, the world isn't flat. It's round. What? Like, that's what it was like for me when I went into this world. Like, there's no way if I'm allow myself all full permission on all foods, I'm going to eat the whole thing. There's no way you can stop me. I'm never going to be able to stop eating peanut butter. The brownies are going to be gone. Like you can't ever do this. And, and I literally have had a pan of brownies up on my counter for two weeks now. Like I have to throw them away because I just haven't been like eating them. It's mm -hmm. possible when you use abundance in your life instead of scarcity. I think that's what it is. So that's what diet culture does. It induces scarcity into us. If you don't look this way, you're going to be kicked out of your tribe, right? It's like a primal thing. Like our brains are so old and so primal that you go back to the tribal days, right? Of, of if you didn't stay into your tribe, then you would be outcast and you'd probably die alone because that's what it was. So now, I mean, our brains still kind of think that same way, like, oh, there's a tiger in the bush and, and you want to stay with your crowd and your tribe and you want to be accepted into there you want to look the part so you're still accepted 
And um, it's just society isn't that way anymore. So, you know, there's not a tiger lurking in the bush. Um, it's really these stories that we're making up in our heads. You know, if we gain a little bit of weight um, to heal our relationship with food, um, sometimes like for me, gaining weight was a healthy thing. Like gaining weight is not always a bad thing. We can't look at it like that because at my leanest, what health meant to me was eating a cheeseburger. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why we also can't label foods like that either. So there, there's so much like into this diet culture world. When you step out, you're like, oh my God, it's everywhere. Like it is everywhere. So right. it's hard not to get sucked in. I don't blame people for getting sucked in. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially since we were introduced to this at such a young age that oh. it's hard to break out of it because as an adult, if you were like a, you know, quote, healthy minded adult and you went into it, you'd be like, well, this is insane. But if you grow up into it, that's all you know. And I know a certain thing you said resonated with a lot of people. So I'm going to reiterate it. Yeah. Um, if you feel like your tribe, your friend group will alienate you because you want to make some choices that you think are healthier, that you want to pursue a, even just experimenting, you know, like we're not making permanent choices. If you want to experiment with this and see how it is, if you feel like they will alienate you, I would argue they're not actually your tribe, your real tribe accepts you for who you are. And just to reiterate a real quick, you know, counter argument that I hear, you can accept people for, for who they are and still understand that they had to go on a path, a journey of growth. You can love yourself and improve yourself at the same time. Like I, 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 I love myself. I'm not in love with myself. That'd be weird. Okay. But I, 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 um, I love myself yet. I, I want to push myself to do these certain things. Yeah. I have certain world records that I want to break before I die. Um, these are, relatively lofty goals but yet you know you can be comfortable with yourself so you don't have to hate yourself in order to grow and if you're if you think your friend group is if this is resonating with you and you think your friends are the kind of people who will laugh at you for not looking a certain way for being a certain way and you take pride in that because you think well my friends challenge me to grow um in my opinion you can have friends that challenge you to grow yet they'll make you feel like you'll be outcast and put out to the wolves if you change who you are and you make actual good decisions for yourself, just in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. You brought up a really good point there, Hampton, too. Like um, when you said, uh, oh my gosh, what did you say about, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot it. It was so good too. Oh yeah. The, the being in the present moment, like you can still be happy with yourself, but still want to mm -hmm. have goals. And that's what people think. They're like, well, can I still work out? Can I still eat vegetables if I do this? I'm like, Yes. Intuitive eating doesn't mean you just throw health to the wind. Like you're actually relearning the signals of your body. When I started intuitive eating, I didn't, I couldn't tell you if I was hungry or full. I didn't know what that felt like. I've eaten from a meal plan for so long that I, I didn't know what hungry felt like. I didn't know what full felt like. So I would overeat and then undereat to like learn my hunger signals again. I would have to like go into that gauntlet of like, relearning myself, which is really hard. And people don't want to do that. They don't want to take the time to do that. Um, and, and like you said, I think in this journey, like in life in general, I think the true point to happiness is that you're happy with where you are, but you're eager to get to the next point. You know, you're, 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 yes. you're very like, when you're in that present moment, I think that's what happiness is. It's not having a, a perfect body. It's not um, fitting into a certain size jeans. It's, living in this present moment and not, you know, being bogged down by the depression of the past or the anxiety of the future, but staying in this present moment so that, you know, you're enjoying the journey. And that's what it is when you're, when you're focused on the outcome, 
then it never works out. When you're focused on the journey, that's when like your wings start to spread open. Right. And why that's so important is uh, one of the many reasons why that's important is if we want to have a good goal in our life and it's okay. Goals are arguably very, very good for you. Um, a lot of them take a long time, you know, something that's very impressive, take a while. And we're talking like a journey of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you could finally, like, depending on what your goal, you could be a researcher, you could be an acrobat, any number of things. You could be like in the prime of your life. So like 20, 30 years from now, or like when you're 70 or 80, when you finally achieve your goal, like if you're a businessman, sometimes it takes all that time. So the reason why it's important to love the journey and be happy with yourself, with yourself now is because it's going to take so long to have a journey that's worth getting. You hear that if something is worth getting, it's not easy. That very well could be true. So you might as well enjoy your life while you're getting there because otherwise you're telling yourself you can't be happy until you achieve this goal. Well, dude, when you achieve your goal at like 80, that's great. And I'm sure science will catch up, but I mean, like how long are you going to live? (laughs) So, So you better enjoy the process of getting there because that is your life. Your life isn't the real you isn't the you after you achieve whatever goal you have. The real you is how you behave and how you act today. Okay. Yeah. We, we live in, you know, this has become a little bit more controversial. We live in the fourth dimension, which is time. Okay. We, we are fourth dimensional beings. We have to move. We are always changing. So we have to adapt the process and then the goal will come. We know the goal will come, um, but we have no control we don't have we don't have full control of whether or not we get there. We could get we could all get hit by a bus yeah. um, the next day, or uh, we can dis- discover that we're sick, or a- any number of things can just like radically change our our life. So we have to enjoy the moment and the process. Exactly, in my opinion, that's so true. And let's not forget, most people's goals are perfection, right? Like that mm-hmm. bodybuilder. That's what mm-hmm. I want to get to, and they don't realize that perfection is actually it's not a good thing because that means you're done. If it's perfect. Right then it's over, then it's done. Then you have no more goals to go to. And as human beings, we're progressive people. We need um, to feel like we're progressing in some way, shape or form in our lives, or else we start to get that like mode of depression going or something like that. So it's important to recognize if your goal is perfection, if your goal is that like bodybuilder, then Mm -hmm. you'll get there for maybe a day, (laughs) right? Right. And then then you're done. And then you have nothing else to look forward to. So right. When perfection is your goal, that's that's not a great goal. <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. I thought about this um, even when I was in my teens. That, that perfection is kind of a paradox in itself. It's the perfection imperfection paradox, to where we have this idea of what's perfect in our brain, but had we, if we actually achieved that, we would be less happy oftentimes, yes. um, if not all the time. So then it's not actually perfection. So in, yep. the, in our mind, what we consider to be perfection is not actually perfection. I got really excited and I spoke a lot faster because it's something I've been thinking about for years. You thought about um, this when you were a teen? Yeah, yeah but I, I wanted to wait before I wrote it down. I, I was like, well, I want to wait till I'm like 20 or 30 because I, I was like, I had this image in my mind of what's perfect. And I said, well, if, what if I had that the next day? What if I had it the next day? I was like, well, I would be unhappy because then, the, then where am I to go? And that's when I started realizing that life is a journey. I know that's cliche. But really, I mean, we've we got to phrase it in different ways because it's such an important lesson to learn that we have to enjoy the process of getting to whatever goal we have. Um, that's why I say I, the prize is in the process. The prize isn't it's not the what comes after the process. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love it. Hannah. And um, a 
question that we had, and this will be a great segue into like what it's kind of like a, like a part two yeah. of um of our current podcast, is you mentioned that you believe if we have a healthy relationship with food, uh, I apologize if I misquote you, that we will naturally seek out things that our body needs. And that's one of the things that when you sent me that first message on Instagram and I said, hello, and I want to do a podcast, that was one of the things that stuck out to me because that's something that I believe for myself. Like when I want more vitamin C, I'm like, my body needs more vitamin C. When I want more water, obviously when we feel thirsty, yeah. that's when I feel like I need more water. And I, I feel the same way about a burger or, or a, yeah. um, like a salad sometime. Like I, I will, among my friends, I will famously pig out. I will eat a bunch of, you know, fatty, very heavy foods. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll be like, you know what? That last burger, I could feel my arteries clogging. So I, uh, uh, I mean, I I love burgers, but I was like, I feel like I want a salad. So then I go eat a salad. So um, if that is one of the signs, this is a great uh, question we got from the audience is how do we know other than that, if we already have a good relationship with food? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I classify a healthy relationship with food, just like I would classify a relationship with my husband or with, you know, you with your girlfriend, Hampton. So, um, the healthy relationship is not restrictive. You're not holding it captive. You're not, um, treating it like, uh, uh, I want you. I don't want you. I want you. I don't want you like, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing, leave me alone for like 10 days and then come back for 10 days. And then like, I'm going to attack you. (laughs) You know what I mean? A healthy relationship with food is one that is, uh, very peaceful. I use the word peace a lot, like making peace with food. So you don't feel aggressive around it. You don't feel intensity around it. You feel um, peaceful with with the amount you're eating and also with what you're eating. So, um, and, and a lot of that has to do with adding in guilt or shame. So a lot of the diets will shame you or guilt you if you go off or if you go off plan or do this. And guilt and shame are nowhere in peace. You know what I mean? With that word with peace, there there is no guilt and shame. And I even tell my clients like in the beginning when they start to heal their relationship with food, um, Usually I I talk about it. I think I talked about this last time, like the pendulum, right? So we talk about you kind of like binge restrict pendulum. So you have this pendulum here um, and it's in the intuitive eating book. uh, If you've read that, but you go into binge, you kind of like overeat and then you restrict, right? And then, so I'm gonna like eat healthy on the weekdays, Monday through Friday, everything's great. And then it's too much. I can't take it anymore. I binge or I overeat. And then, right. oh, I ate too much and I'm going to go back on that diet. And then it's kind of like that pendulum swing and it keeps going back and forth. So when you have a health, that's an unhealthy relationship with food. First of all, that's a sign as well when you're like, all right, I'm going to eat healthy on the weekdays. And then I'm going to like, you don't mean to, but you overeat on the weekends. That's restriction. Um, and what you restrict will persist. So when you heal that relationship with food, what you're doing is you're slowing down that pendulum. So when you take away the dieting, right? That dieting pendulum when just, okay, I'm not gonna go on any more diets. I'm gonna work on healing my relationship with food. Your pendulum might take a, a swing into that like kind of overeating phase a little bit but it has nothing to bounce back off of now. So eventually it's just gonna find this nice little rhythm right here. So what you do when you have a healthy relationship with food, you, um, 
you don't punish yourself with exercise. Uh, I know an unhealthy relationship with food. I was always ab checking or body checking. Um, I was constantly uh, like criticizing people in my head. Oh, they ordered, they ordered the cheeseburger. Oh my God, do you see Hampton, that guy over there? He just ordered that cheeseburger. I don't know, that's pretty bad. You know, he shouldn't be eating that. And when you judge other people, it means you're judging yourself. So you could tell mm-hmm. I was judging myself very, very harshly. And um, if somebody didn't have like a slim physique or like a lean physique, I was like, oh, they should be working out. I don't know. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I don't know why they can't like, da 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 da. you know, they got to change their lives. And I was always criticizing people, but really, I don't know anything about that person's life. I don't know if they just lost a hundred pounds. I don't know if, you know what I mean? What, what's going on in their lives? So watch out for that. And also an unhealthy relationship with food is um, when you're constantly restricting food, when you're telling yourself, I can't have that this is good this is bad um that's a very unhealthy relationship with food eating only by the clock or by prescribed times or eating only prescribed meals um healthy relationship with food like i said it it embodies peace so if you can walk into you know a bakery and just feel peaceful and say i am free to get whatever i want and eat it in an amount that feels good to me that's what it is peace around food means respecting um honoring your hunger and respecting your fullness I see. I see. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. And I guess the next question to that would be how, because I've resonated with a lot of people. I know yeah. like when you say these things, you've, you've worked with a lot of people, you know, like the things that resonate with them that go, yes, this is totally me uh, because you were once there yourself. Yeah. Next question is how do you get to that point? And I mean, this goes back to the person who was talking about this. He asked about exercise, but I mean, I feel like we can do it with it in a two-pronged way. It's like, yeah. we know this is bad now. We know this is bad now, um, but we, it's kind of a struggle to get to that point. How do we begin to take the first steps? Absolutely. The first step is allowing yourself full permission on all foods. It is the scariest step. I mean, when you're telling somebody who was like me, who um, like wasn't able to keep certain foods in the house, uh, was strictly macro counting, uh, was eating by the clock and nothing else. Like I didn't know how to just pick a meal. Like when we went to a restaurant, I didn't know how to just like pick whatever I wanted. To me, that was like unheard of. Like, what do people do that? What? How do you live? You know? And um, it was it was really bad. So. Um, your first step is the scariest one. It is allowing yourself full permission. So if you don't do that, like what you do when you're on diets or when people are telling you this is bad, that apple's bad, don't eat that, da, 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 da. You're putting these foods up on these pedestals. So my goal with my clients is to start slowly taking these foods down from their pedestals. And I look at it like this. Um, it's like a long distance relationship. So uh, I do a lot of relationship things. So just, you know, bear right. with me here. <laughs> but think of your food that you're like, oh, I can't have, I can't have pizza. It's so bad for me. Think of it like a long distance relationship. So you're in this long distance relationship and you, you're you like, oh my gosh, this person's coming into town and I haven't seen them in like months or a year and I'm missing them so much, right? Like we restrict that food, we, we put it away, we send it away. And finally, when that food comes in, like for that person comes in, and you see them for the first time in months and you're just like, ah, oh, you like attack them, you kiss them, you hug them, you're like all over them. And oh my gosh, you can't get away from them. And all you want to do is be by them, right? And you, you overeat right. the food and all this stuff. <laughs> and then when you're kind of like, hey, you've been here for a week or two now, you're going to go back or what? You know, you kind of start, I don't want to say getting sick of that person, but that newness mm-hmm. wears off. 
And it, it does around food too. That, that newness, that intensity around food will be taken away when you give it abundance instead of scarcity. So when we can literally say, listen, you can have this piece of pizza anytime you want. You can eat it whenever you want in as many slices as you want. If I say that right now to somebody, it almost takes that power away immediately. Like if I'm like, you know, Hampton, you can have as many cheeseburgers as you want. I'm like, Hampton, look, I made you 14 of them. Do you want all these cheeseburgers? You're going to be like, Christy, I can't eat 14 cheeseburgers. I just one, maybe a half is good. But now if I'm like, Hampton, this cheeseburger, you can't, no, you can't have this. Like, I'm going to put it, you, this is, this is a forbidden cheese. Let's fight. Just, let's, I'll fight someone over a cheeseburger. Yeah. Right? It's, and it's honestly, it brings that scarcity mindset in of, I don't know when I'm going to get it again, which leads to the, I'm going to overeat it because diet starts again on Monday. So I might as well eat it all now. So it's all gone. So I don't have to deal with it when Monday rolls around. And that's the mindset we start getting ourselves in. That makes a lot of sense. And this is just to bounce off like a question because this lady, she feels like, I think she mentioned that she's 42 and this was the first time she just now heard this and it's really resonating. With Yay! Her. Um, <laughs> and we've had questions about how you would approach certain eating disorders because I know that, that's a lot of things that we have, especially with COVID now. I think that has probably gone up you know, with the isolation. And so this person says that they use food to handle stress anxiety and trauma triggers they know it's not healthy um but they, they use it for comfort um and other than what you just mentioned yeah um how can they go about healing that so first of all i'm going to start with something that is probably crazy for y'all to hear but overeating and emotional eating is okay i i think everybody does it at certain times in their lives um every now and then when it's used consistently or when it's used as a habit or a coping mechanism, that's when it becomes unhealthy. So if you are in the middle of this election and you know everything's going on or the pandemic and you're just scared of what's gonna happen and you had a, a day or a meal where you just overate and you haven't really done that in a while, that's okay. Like overeating or, or emotional eating, it's okay when, when the world feels like it's crumbling down around you, but when it's used consistently, it is, it, it becomes a habit. It's, it's not a good thing. So what I say um, to my clients, because we deal with a lot of emotional eating, I actually had a client um, and this is the kind of thing that we work with, which is amazing. But she said she was overeating at night. She couldn't figure out why she goes, I know I'm not hungry. She goes, I, I don't know what's happening. I just keep eating these chocolate covered almonds and I, I can't stop. And so we kind of worked through a couple of things. There was a couple of weeks that went by and, um, we kind of came to this conclusion. She said, okay, so when I was little, I used to eat as a signal for help. Like, hey, I'm, I'm having trouble. Um, that was her signal for help with her parents. Hey, I need help. I need, I need, I need some attention. I need you to come see me. And it was almost like if I gained weight, they knew I would need help. So that was her way of doing that. Well, now she's in her forties and she's just like, I am doing this now to get attention from my husband, like signaling, I need help. I'm stressed. So it's a lot of what this is. And, and people think it's about the food Hampton. This journey has nothing to do with the food. It all has to do with your underlying issues. So when you go, and I actually have, if you, um, click on the link to my website. I can send it to you, Hampton. Um, I have a description. Okay, perfect. It's a, um, am I binge eating flow chart? So it's like kind of takes you through steps through this. So it might help you out a little more. Um, and it's free. You could totally just download it and it's yours. But, um, what it is, is 
we go through those underlying issues. So, so there's always an underlying issue of needing love, of needing comfort, of needing attention, of needing to feel adequate, of needing to feel um, like you're enough of worthiness. And you're using that food to heal that. And how I describe that is like getting a bullet hole wound and you're just putting a bandaid over it. To me, that's what the food is doing. So when we actually like take time to, to dig out that bullet hole wound, or to dig out the bullet and to actually like put antiseptic on it and clean up the wound, we're taking the time to figure out, okay, what's really going on? I know I'm emotional eating to stop first, recognize it and to say, okay, something's going on here. And by even just recognizing it, you're putting a kink in that habit loop. You're putting like a kink in that consistently going and doing that. So by saying it out loud, it recognizes it too. So saying, okay, I am eating emotionally now, what's going on? And the next step is to kind of uncover and say, okay, what am I hoping this food is going to fix? What is this food trying to bring me? Most of the time for me, it's comfort. Like I feel comfort when I eat food, because when we eat, it's like a I forget where I heard this from, so I can't, you know, trace it back or anything, but you actually numb out feelings when you eat because your body is busy digesting, you're busy chewing, you're, you're busy like figuring out like the, um, the, the textures in your mouth, uh, crunching or things like that. So it actually kind of numbs that feeling for a little bit. So it's a, it's a bandaid. That's what it is when we use food to cope, when we use it as a coping mechanism, when we use it to uh, try and fix something. So I would always tell my clients, like when you're going for that food, just ask yourself, what am I hoping this will fix? What am I hoping this will earn me or reward me? Because that's when food comes, it's actually a dopamine hit. So that's actually like why you go for food because um, it's gonna spike your dopamine levels, which is what you need when you're depressed, when you're sad, when you're not feeling worthy of yourself. But what also has dopamine hits is um, exercising, singing, jumping, dancing, um, things like that too. So, you know, we can find another drug, we can find another way to cope. We don't have to use food, but the first step is really just recognizing it. So emotional eating is a big, big monster, but it's something that um, you can definitely uh, work with and something we can definitely work on together. So. Absolutely. And you said people can, among other things, they can go to your website. Uh, what, what's yeah. that website? Uh, intuitivelystrong.com. And it's being revamped. I'm so excited. It's, it's being cool. like all prettied up right now because I'm not the best at that. So um, I leave it to the people who are. So if you visit it, either should be up in a little bit, but right now the old web website's up and it's still working. So that's perfect. Cool. So. Great. As long as people can find the resources. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we can link them. Uh, that's really cool. And by the way, are we on a time crunch? Do you have to go? No, 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 no. We're good. We're good. Yeah. If not, then I mean, let's keep going. Cause I mean, when I talk, I like to go for a while. Oh my gosh. I, like I said, I could talk about this for hours. Just like you could talk about calisthenics for hours. So right. <laughs> we're good. So when you mentioned the first step, um, is allowing yourself to eat mm -hmm. any food. And you have the reasoning behind that where if it's not on this pedestal, if it's not the forbidden fruit, we won't want it as much. You feel like an instant release. Yes. First of all, I, I know that some people will say, well, what if I allow myself to eat it and then I keep eating it? Like, what, what if they, like you told them that they won't want it as much. What if they have this fear that, well, what if I just keep eating chocolate cake and I eat it so much and I get big and I get bigger and bigger and then people won't love me anymore? Um, what is the next step? And what are some reassurances you can give to these people that that won't happen? First of all, that was a big fear of mine. Like I have to tell you, I ate when I first gave myself full, full permission on all foods. People laugh at me when I say this, but my first food that I went to was cereal because I had never allowed myself cereal ever. It was 
you know, to me, it didn't have enough nutrition in it, no protein. It was empty calories and like the cereal that I liked. And I like like old people cereal. Okay. I like like, you know, brand, whatever, like that's my favorite kind of cereal or, um, raisin, I don't know, raisin brain crunch or whatever it's called. I don't know. So I like all those ones. I I'm such an old lady, but, uh, what I would tell that person is for three months, I ate peanut butter, like puffed up, like whole grain cereal with peanut butter on the spoon for three months, every single day I did. And I'm not going to say you're going to eat cake, you're going to eat cake like for three months straight. Like that's too rich. That's a little like much going over there. Um, but it's okay if you take a little longer to get that intensity out. Um, this is why it's always so helpful to have somebody in your corner, even if it's not like a coach or anything to have somebody who understands what you're doing, because this, um, whole journey can feel like you're swimming upstream because when everybody else is swimming downstream, they're trying to lose weight. They're, uh, getting foods out of their life. Nope. Can't have cereal. Cereal is bad for me. Da, 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 da. Milk is bad for me. All this stuff. Um, when you're swimming upstream, it can seem like a really, really like lost battle at that point. So the one thing I can tell you is that, um, and what all my clients need to know early on in the stage is that you are on the right track. When you allow yourself all foods to fit, you're probably going to have that initial reaction of overeating. However, I think of it like this, like um, when you're, when my son was trying to walk, when, you know, he was trying to walk, he didn't just get up and start walking. Right. And this is going to be you, you're going to get up, you're going to fall. You're going to get mm -hmm. up again. You're going to fall. Yeah. You're going to tumble. You're going to walk a little kind of crooked here and there. You're going to fall on something. Um, you're going to fall and you're going to cry and it's going to hurt. And you're going to get back up. I didn't tell my son, okay, nope. You're just not going to walk. You're done. Nope. This isn't for you. Walking isn't for you. You can't walk. No, you let them keep getting up and falling and getting up and falling. And, and the very opposite end of this journey is that I want you to fail. Like I want you to fall on your face and fail because that's the only way that you're going to learn. And, um, I actually, like I do this through like a six month course that I have for my clients, but, uh, the way we do it is very structured and it's very, um, the most structure you can get out of this and very lots of guidelines. And I'm happy to like, give you whatever I can right now. Like always ask away. I will give you all my information I have, but, um, the more that you fall, like I remember the one time I, I ate it, I ate it for a meal and I'm like, okay, that was really good, but like, I'm hungry an hour later. So when I I'm like, okay, so next time, like I went into it with this investigative mindset, instead of like getting down on myself and feeling guilt or shame, I repeated this mantra in my head that my coach had given me. And it's, she said, um, I'm not upset for eating what I thought my body needed. Like, like we're learning, we're learning in mm -hmm. this space. So right. it's okay. If you overeat, if you overeat, you know, next time, okay, that amount was too much. And I, I look at it like this because people are like, nope, I've allowed myself food before and it just doesn't work. I've done it before. Me too. So listen to this. When I was pregnant with my second son, um, I, when I was pregnant on all my pregnancies, I, both my pregnancies, I gave myself full reign to eat whatever I wanted. But I knew that once my son was born, I wanted to lose that weight and lose it fast. So that was, there was always an end date in mind. So mm -hmm. I remember this one time I was, Panera lunches were like my thing. Like I could drink their Greek dressing. It was so good, but I always got it with, um, a, a kitchen sink cookie that they're like the absolute best at Panera. And uh, I got it with, uh, so I got a half salad, half Greek salad, half broccoli cheddar soup. And then I got this cookie. Right. 
And I remember eating and I was probably in my like second trimester. So I had like given myself the permission on all this. And then I'm eating and I'm like, gosh, I am not hungry. And I looked at my cookie and I'm like, but I have to eat it because this is the only time I'm going to get it because my diet, I have to lose all the weight and I won't be able to have this after my son's born. So there's, when there's an end date in mind, that's not really giving yourself full permission. You know, that's called pseudo permission. That's like saying you have permission, but not really having permission. So watch that you're not having that end date. So once you take away that end date away, right? It's like taking away that diet pendulum, you're your um, like binge pendulum here, it's slowing down and it's gonna find like a really nice rhythm here into like healthy balanced eating. So you almost have to walk into this really scary gauntlet of fear and know that you're gonna come out alive. And, and that's why I like to, like we have a whole group of women that just like share their stories. It's people who understand. Like I always say like telling somebody that has an unhealthy relationship with food, oh, just eat healthy and exercise. It's like telling somebody with depression, just be happy. Like it doesn't work like that. Our minds don't flow like that. So you have people that understand you that, you know, you have me, if you ever, gosh, DM me, if you have any questions, like I'm always happy to help. Um, I'm here for you. I want to, I want you to know you're not alone because I felt like such a misfit. Even, um, when I was in, in the heat of my eating disorders, I never looked like I had eating disorders because I had so much muscle on my body. Um, mm -hmm. so I never looked like I had eating disorders. Uh, so I never could like fall into that category. I felt like, and then also, um, you know, I was still fit, but I never felt like I fell into that category either because I always wanted more. I was never fit enough, even though I really was. <laughs> it's body right. dysmorphia, that whole mess. What? Well, absolutely. And let's, um, it's even, I, I realized this before, but I'm starting to realize it even more and I'll bring it up a little bit, but like this, there's so much, there is body dysmorphia in, in many different ways. Like not just people who are skinny, not just people who are big, <laughs> but many different kinds. If someone is listening to what you're saying and they're ready to get on this and I'm starting like in my mind, when you're saying this, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to empathize with them and trying to think, yeah. well, like things they may be worried about. Um, a question that I often hear is what if I don't have the money for this? Is yeah. that a thing that you've seen where it's like, um, I, I want to get on this better relationship with my, with my food. I want to do this, but I, I'm also limited by what I can eat. What would you say to people like that? Totally. So first of all, um, this, I actually have a lot of clients, um, right now that grew up, uh, with not a lot of means, uh, what you had for dinner was what you had for dinner. There was no like extras left over. You ate what you ate. So a lot of people actually have, um, this fear around not finishing their plate. Like they feel like they have to finish their plate because they grew up, uh, with not a lot of means and you had to finish your plate or else you were being ungrateful or else, you know, come on, this is all mm -hmm. you have for dinner. So, um, it's a really hard mindset to shift out of that. I have a lot of clients I work with that are kind of in that same boat. Now they feel guilty for not finishing their plates because you know, of the, the money issue or the way that, you know, food just isn't uh, abundant in their lives. So that alone, that takes a lot of mental, um, of mental work. And that, that is not something that can be fixed like this in a day, in a week. That is something that's a, a mindset shift. It's like a paradigm shift, right? Like the world was flat and now it's, now it's round. Um, right, right. That's what it is. So um, I would definitely tell people that there's this big thing out there where frozen vegetables, oh, they're not as good for you as fresh and you should always buy organic and fresh. No, 
get what fits your life. Um, if you're, like I said, 11% of people of the population get their uh, amounts, allotted amounts of fruits and vegetables in for the day, get them in however you can, like however you can in amounts that feel good to you. So you don't have to buy organic. You do not have to buy fresh. Uh, you can buy canned, you can buy frozen. It's still the same nutrients. That's what it is. So don't feel like, you know, oh, I can't buy organic chicken because uh, it is super expensive. So I'm just going to buy this, like, you know, something that I don't even like over here. So keep that in mind that um, you don't have to follow like the trends right now. You do what fits your life because nobody knows your life but you. So so figure out what that means to you. Figure out ways like um, that you can make vegetables fit into your life and they don't have to be organic. They don't have to be completely fresh and you know what I mean, cut off the stem or anything like that. And a lot of people actually I've known started growing their um, like at their house in like little cups and things like that, uh, spices and herbs or like little tomato plants or things like that too, which is super, I mean, they have so much that they're trying to give it away. So um, that could be an option as well. And it's, they don't have like a big garden or anything. It's like literally hanging off their porch. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. something that you could do. They have those indoor ones too. And I think there's like really inexpensive ways you could look on Pinterest um, to grow them with like, like recyclables and things like that, which is really helpful too. And plus that's going to give you that feeling of look what I did. I grew this. This is wonderful. You know, that feeling of progression too. So Right. Absolutely. And you brought up a lot of good points. Um, and I like how it revolves around this theme that I feel like isn't stated enough because some people, they take it for granted. And that is we've thought of fitness and we thought of diet as short-term things. As in like when you go on a diet, for me, diet is what I eat. Like everyone has a diet. Like it's, it's what you eat when you eat it, things like that. But for a lot of people, it's like I'm going on a 30-day diet so I can look a certain way. Um, or a lot of people say, Hampton, can you give me a, a quick workout plan for me to lose weight for it's usually someone's wedding. Um, yeah. I've noticed that it's always someone's wedding. I've noticed that a lot. Um, and I, I give them the same routine. I give people who want long-term stuff because it's cultivate. You know, my thing is cultivate long-term fitness. It's not cultivate 30 day fitness, yeah. you know, which yeah. is cool. And I mean, those aren't bad. If you want, like, if you are at a healthy place with your body and with, with food, if you want to take a 30-day challenge where you do push-ups every day, yes. go for it. That's fine. That's fine. But we really want to think when we do these things, what do we have for the long run? What do we have for long term? And it's the same thing with business. Because I also know a lot of people who are also trying to grow social media and they're trying to build a brand online. And everything people ask is, how can I do this the fastest way? What's the fastest way to lose weight? I was thinking about that when I, when I was driving. I'm like, like amputation, it's because um, I, I don't know the fastest way. I, I don't, yeah. it's not something I think about. Like, what do you want? Fast kind of scares me actually, because it's yeah. like fast here yeah. and, it's, and, and it's very quickly gone. Like you, you get it really quick and you lose it really quick. Think about the long term. So with that in mind, um, and you've already kind of touched upon this, but I'd like to kind of focus on it a, a little bit more. These people who have this mindset, and some people have heard this just now for the first time, that diet is not supposed to be a short-term thing. You can have a ha happy, healthy diet, eating a sustainable diet that will last you for the rest of your life or for decades um, and be happy with it and be healthy. You know, just, just putting that out there is true. How do we go from the shift of like, every once in a while going on a 30-day diet, 
ketogenic diet, how do we go from that to what we're talking about here? Where we have, we have a sustainable long-term diet in your opinion. I love that. So first of all, to me, long-term, like when somebody says, yeah, this is my new, it's a new lifestyle. Can you keep this lifestyle up for 10 plus years? That's what I tell them. It's not two, because if you look at the stats, they're actually quite alarming. 98% of people that go on diets, 98% of them fail. 98%, 30% of those people actually develop full-blown eating disorders from the diets. So you're talking about 2% of this world that can actually sustain dieting for, and they're talking, when they say long-term, they're talking two plus years. They're not even talking 10 plus years. Right. So most of us fall into that 98% category and we want to be that like alpha. We want to be that like prodigy that just like, oh, everybody fawns over da da da. Well, that's at least <laughs> how I felt. So what I say to answer your question, Hampton, is that you take both extremes, right? So let's say, okay, I'm coming to you, Hampton. I want you to give me this fast weight loss thing, da, 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 da. Christy, I want you to set me up with this meal plan and make me all pretty and gorgeous and exactly how everybody wants me to be, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna say, okay, and I'm sure you'd say the same thing. All right, let's take the extreme to this. That is the extreme on this end, all right? To where we are gonna go balls to the wall. We are gonna do this like meal plan. You do not miss a day, you no know, drinking. You eat this, you take this with you. When you go out to weddings, you work out the day of the wedding. Um, you go in the gym and you work out. You don't miss a workout. You could take that extreme and then take the other extreme to where you would just um, sit back and do nothing, which people flip-flop between these two, right? We talked mm -hmm. about that black and white thinking. Right, right. That's what this is. So, and then you take the other extreme to where you're not taking care of yourself at all. You're eating um, very non-nourishing foods. You're not working out at all. Um, you're really not taking care of yourself. There's no self-care whatsoever. So I say we take these black and white and we find the gray. So we always go for the middle. So when people start getting into that mindset of all or nothing around fitness, because that's what health has become. It has become, oh, I'm being healthy. I'm on a diet. Oh, I'm being healthy. I'm on a six day a week workout program for six months straight. So people dive in, okay, I'm going to start this, this workout program. Um, I want to do five days a week and, and something happens to one day and, you know, life hits. Uh, their car breaks down or, you know, they lock themselves out right. of their car or something and life happens to all of us and they miss a workout and it's Wednesday and they're like, oh, well, I can't, oh, I'm just going to start again on Monday. So there's that like last supper mentality, right? Of like, oh, well, I might as well just screw up. I screwed up already, right? We have one flat tire. Why not do the other three? So at that point, that's what you're doing. I mean, you have a flat tire and now you're just punching a hole in the other three by saying mm -hmm. that. So we take that extreme thinking and we find a middle ground. So take both extremes and find somewhere in the middle. You know what? I, I didn't get this work on in today, but I'm just going to um, keep going tomorrow if I can get up to it. Uh, and then even with my eating, you know what? Uh, I've been eating like really nourishing foods and my body's craving uh, something a little less nourishing. That's fine. It doesn't mean I've failed on my diet. I'm going to honor that craving um, in an amount that feels good to me. Because what most people miss in dieting is that there's two types of hunger that you have to feed. You have to feed your biological hunger, which is in your stomach. And then you have to feed your psychological hunger, which is in your brain. There's two mm -hmm. hungers here. Technically, like we talked about before, you could live without this psychological hunger, which is what I did for a while. I didn't allow myself any fun foods or any like satisfying foods whatsoever. Um, 
but I was living my life without my phone. I was living my life without TV. You know what I mean? It was kind of like that whole thing that we talked about right. before. You can live without that, but is it a life you want to live? So um, just keep thinking that, you know, stop living in the black and the white. For people that are, are looking to do those quick fixes or the this or the that, um, live in the gray. Just live in the gray. That's great. Um, and this is a question that I see pop up a little bit and something that, that I, I guess makes sense for some people, which um, you're talking about how restriction can often lead to these disorders. Um, and sometimes this restriction is based off you know, things we think are good or bad, um, like chocolate cake. What if it's based off like a religious preference? Or um, like an ethical preference, like some people yeah. they don't want to eat they want they don't they don't want to eat animal protein. Yeah. Uh, some people um, they don't they, they will only eat they they don't eat gluten, for example. What if it's something like that? Something they can't easily say like, well, now I like I've I've, I've craved steak, um, and now but I can't eat steak because of uh, because of other reasons. How would you go about healing that relationship with food, um, given that there's this roadblock to them not being able to eat that? It's a really good question, Hampton. So I, my son has celiac disease and I have a couple clients that are vegan, uh, which is wonderful because this is a world where everything can fit. My whole thing is if you're doing vegetarianism or veganism from a moral standpoint, it's mm -hmm. different because um, that's your morals, that's your values. And that's who you are as a person, your morals and values create your character. So right. I, I'm not going to tell you, oh, you should just eat this if you da 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 da. When they really don't want to eat eggs or meat or anything like that, that's not my place. Right. So when people um, have that, I did have a client. She had a gluten intolerance, so she knew it made her feel bad, but she craved some of the things that had gluten in it. And she's like, I don't know what to do. So what we did was we allowed. Um, obviously all foods to fit if she really wants it. So basically she had this cake and she's like, I really want it, but I have a gluten allergy and it's just going to make me feel bad. It's like, okay, let's focus on how you want to feel after this meal. So you know that by eating this is not going to make you feel good. She got severe stomach aches and headaches um, to the point where she had to like sit down. So it's like, okay, let's try an amount that feels good to you. And we used my taste bud turndown method, which this happens for everybody. So the first time you eat something like cake or something that you're so interested in eating, your taste buds will be on full, like full fledged, like up there. They're going to be like, your taste buds are going to be like, oh yeah, this is so good. This is wonderful. I'm tasting every texture is the best thing I've ever had. And then as each bite goes on, your taste buds turn down. And that's mm -hmm. actually when your cravings, um, when you've satisfied your cravings is when your taste buds turn down. People, if you pay attention to this, it actually happens within the first couple bites. So meaning by the time you're halfway through, you're probably good set with the craving. Um, but obviously it's hard to tell in the beginning when you don't know your hunger signals yet, when you don't know these things yet. So um, we looked for that taste bud turned down and she said it was after bite like three, I think she said of this big piece of cake. And she goes, so I had a little bit of a stomach ache, but it wasn't anything that like sent her over the edge or she was debilitated for the rest of the day. So mm -hmm. there are ways you can do this. And remember when you have full permission on all foods, it doesn't mean you have to eat the whole thing. You can have a bite, you can have mm -hmm. half. You do not have to have the whole thing. And the important thing to remember is this food is not going anywhere. It is not growing legs. It is not walking away. This food will be here always. So um, 
and especially with veganism too. And some people are just that I will not eat meat. That's fine. Like you can totally do intuitive eating and, and be vegan. That's totally mm-hmm. fine. If it's from a moral standpoint, if it's from a caloric standpoint, I think you're going to have a lot of trouble with it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and this brings up kind of a, a different segue to where we've brought a lot about how how we view certain foods and how, like how we should approach certain foods. Um, but something that you've probably you've probably dealt with a lot, especially as a bodybuilder, is supplements. So not necessarily like foods like steak or cake, but like protein powder. The protein is, is a huge thing right now. Um, some people, they want it in my opinion, too much. They, they, they eat like way too much protein. And like, I, I know they think protein is good for you. So they just eat like a mound of it. And a lot of it has like, like sugar and stuff. And you, you really don't need that. Um, is that something that you've dealt with in your clients is like an attitude towards supplements? And are there any supplements that you recommend to this day? Yeah, totally. So um, I should probably say I'm not a medical professional. So these are just my opinion, right. not like a right. medical diagnosis or anything. But um, the three things, the three supplements that I still take to this day, um, are, uh, a probiotic because I believe in like gut health. I believe in, um, you know, having a happy gut because a happy gut is a happy head, a happy mental health. It's all affected. Um, and so a probiotic, uh, multivitamin, if you don't think you're getting in enough, um, vitamins, anything like that, you can always check with your doctor, go get your blood test and see if you're low on any uh, vitamins or anything. But usually, um, I get mine from foods. I get mine from whole foods and a fish oil is always uh, great. Um, so fats are a good thing. Let's not discriminate on fats because they help keep us healthy. They actually are a huge, uh, helper for our brain to help keep mm-hmm. our brain going. And, um, actually, uh, fat actually helps protect your organs too. So women always like hate on their little like pooch down here, like right, their right. area, but really that's where your most vital organs are. And it's just trying to protect you. So fat protects your organs. So let's not mm-hmm. hate on the fat. Okay. Like even if you've got a little pouch there, that's fine. Your, your body's doing its job. Thank you, body. You're wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, honestly the supplements with, with protein powder, I still use protein powder to this day. Um, to me, it's like a, a something quick when I can't get protein in or something, Um, I never shame any foods, um, but I have abused it and overused it in the past. And there is, uh, there was a, and again, I don't have the exact where it came from, but um, when you digest protein powder, it actually digests differently than when you were to eat like an actual protein filled food. So like chicken or um, tofu or something like that, it actually digests differently. So in some people actually get bloating from protein powder, uh, which is totally common just because your body digests it differently than whole foods or normal foods. So just watch out for that. Um, I think, like I said, all foods can fit um, in amounts that feel good to you. So to me, um, you won't really, I don't really take any vitamins to this day. I mean, I used to take multis and things like that, but that was when I I get all my, my vitamins from my foods. So, um, and if you don't, I, I don't see a problem with people like adding in like a greens powder or something like that. If you don't like vegetables, if you don't get enough vegetables in, obviously, um, whole food vegetables are the best source, but that doesn't mean that you should shame other, other sources. If you're getting it in, you're getting it in. Like, you know, I'd say if you can get your vegetables in, in a way that feels good to you. So, and try and change it up. Don't always do the same thing. You know what I mean? Even if it's not, you know, going from a a powder to a whole food, you know, try that whole food roasted, try it fermented, try it raw. There's different ways that, you know, I found like, I love vegetables that way. 
So right. um, I, I think supplements are just that. They're there to aid and help, not fix. Okay. Interesting. And you, you mentioned that you still use protein powder to this day. And that brought up an interesting question that I would have um, because some people who are resonating with this and, and do realize they have a poor relationship with food, sometimes for the first time, you know, you never know who you're going to reach for the first time. Like they could be in their fifties that they're realizing this. And if, um, just to quickly answer people, especially if you're listening to this on audio, uh, intuitively strong on social media, do you prefer to be contacted on Instagram? I guess. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Okay. Intuitively underscore strong. Yep. Yeah, or I think if they if they just search intuitively strong, you'll, you'll pop up, right? Perfect. Have you checked okay. me out, Hampton? Have you been searching me? I'm yeah, just I have. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I regularly search you. I regularly search you. <laughs> yeah. Um, if if they had this in mind, they I guess the natural desire is what does the goal look like? What is your diet for like a week, two weeks? Uh, and by diet, I mean what you're eating, not like your temporary diet. Oh, what, totally. what does your eating habits look like? What, they, yeah. what do you eat nowadays? Totally. How do you eat? So, I do have to tell you, my uh, hunger at the beginning uh, was very high. And that's natural for somebody who's coming off of eating disorders or for somebody who's coming off of um, healing their relationship with food. I ate a lot and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. My um, hunger has actually decreased uh, as I've like healed my relationship with food. Even now, I just find that I'm eating less um, and that's that's not a bad or a good thing. It's just how my body's working. I respect, I honor my hunger and I respect my fullness and I eat what my body tells me to eat. And this takes a long time to learn, but like today, this morning, um, like I, I got up, took my boys to daycare, uh, went and worked out when I got home, um, had a whey protein shake and toast with peanut butter on it. Um, for lunch, I had uh, leftovers. My husband made like this, like cheeseburger casserole. It was really good with like noodles and you know the beef and cheese in it. It's really good. I had that um, with. This is gonna sound weird, but with oatmeal, I didn't eat them together. But mm. <laughs> I um, I always base what I want to eat off of textures. So what I'm feeling. So when people are like Chrissy, I don't know what to eat. Like help me when they're first starting this. I always tell them what are you craving? Something hot or cold? Do you want something salty, crunchy, sweet, sour? Um, what are your textures that you're craving right now? Cause that will help you start to get back in touch with your body and what your body needs. Um, and you might get it wrong sometimes and that's okay. I've gotten it wrong plenty of times. Um, but I start with that, start with those simple questions. Okay. And then I always ask myself, all right, when am I going to eat next? All right. So it's, let's say it's noon and we're not going to have dinner till six. Well, I'm going to eat a big lunch because I know that I'm either going to um, need that to carry me over till dinner, or I'm going to need a snack in between. Sometimes I need a snack. Sometimes I don't. It's just how my body goes, but I always try and eat every three to four hours. Usually a full meal can last you every three to four hours. Snacks can usually last you one to two. And people are scared when they get hungry. They're like, oh my God, I shouldn't be hungry. Da, 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 da. That's a good thing. Hunger means you're alive. Um, you don't need to earn your food. You earn your food just by being alive. So you can um, eat, don't be scared to eat, especially like people are like, I just worked out and then I ate and I'm hungry again. Well, yes, your metabolism is up high because you just worked out. So it's running through food right now. That's a good thing. Um, it's hunger, hunger is nothing to be like, to put it aside or to hate on it, like don't hate on hunger. So um, 
I just sent out an email about this and I'm probably going to do a post on it on my Instagram of how to eat, what to eat, when to eat, um, when you're intuitive eating and kind of like build you like a list. So, uh, I'll get that out to you guys for sure. That's awesome. I, I mean, yeah. send, send it my way and, uh, um, oh, I love, love to see it. I'll share it with my friends. <laughs> um, and I just want to touch upon this. This isn't like, as we go towards the end of this, yeah. um, this isn't necessarily like, like the most important thing, but I see this a lot. And I saw a lot of our, in our comments. What if, and if this is even possible, someone's healthy relationship with food, the psychology of how they eat uh, conflicts with how healthy they, act, they physically are. Mm-hmm. Like um, an example that a lot of our audience brought up is a lot of people struggle with putting on weight. And they don't necessarily hate themselves for being skinny, yep. but they would like to put on some weight. However, just like how they naturally eat, it's hard for them to eat. They have to like push themselves to eat enough to, put them to gain weight. Um, what advice would you give to people like that? Like if, if they just naturally want to gain a little bit of weight, they don't necessarily have a eating disorder, but they just want to put on some weight, um, but they naturally struggle to do that. What advice do you have for people like that? Ah, oh, totally. Um, I get this so, so much. And I just, right. It's, it's a, it's a common issue. Is it? it is. It is. And a lot of people are like, Oh, and I'm so sorry when people say this to you, but they always say like, Oh, I, at least you don't gain weight. Like, look at me, I'm having trouble. Like that's the worst thing you could say to somebody that's trying to gain weight. Like that, that's mm-hmm. so hard. You don't say that to them. Um, so I'm so sorry. People are saying this to you. First of all, that's, that's not great. That's not wonderful. But, um, I always look at it like this. We can only fight our genetics so much. Like I am five, two, and I wear a size eight and a half to nine shoe. Like that is a big shoe for somebody like my size. I'm five, two. That's, that's a big shoe. So to me, when people kind of say, oh, I need to look a certain way. Um, I always think of my shoe size in that way. Cause to me, most people, my height should be like, I think a size six or something like that. And I'm like three sizes ahead of that. So to me, I cannot change the shape of my foot. Like I, nothing I can do can change the shape of it. This is just my genetics. This is who I am. So I look at it this way too, in the same way as my body shape. There's only so much I can do to change it without going into an obsessive or disordered state. So in that case, I always think of like, what would you do in this situation? Um, you know, if you were trying to make your foot bigger or smaller, so kind of think about it like that. Think about it as like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to change my, the shape of my foot. <laughs> like, I know that sounds so silly to say, but really think of it that way because your body shape is the least important thing about you. Uh, who you are, the person inside is what is like that ooey gooey center. That's the cool part. That's what we love. That's what we know and love. So um, I would ask you, what shape are you trying to achieve and why? Like really ask yourself that deep question. Why am I trying to get to this, this shape that I'm genetically not? And what will it bring me once I get it? And what will I lose if I don't get it? So will I die? Will I become like, if I don't get to the shape that I want, um, will, will my house burn down? Will I lose all my friends? Will my partner not love me anymore? Like what's really going to happen? Or is it that story we're telling ourselves in our heads that our tribe is going to disown us? So keep that in mind. I mean, just it's, we can only go so far to fight our genetics. And at one point, 
um, we just have to live this sustainable life. And, and if we can say that there are people that are that live in leaner bodies and smaller bodies, then there must be people that live in bigger bodies too. Like I could literally put everyone on the exact same diet in Hampton. They could all do your calisthenics program and we mm -hmm. would still all look different. Like right, of course. One of, us. of course. So so that's kind of where I have we really have to go deeper into this and say, why are you trying to change your body? Um, and, and what's, what's going to come out of it if you do, and if you don't, and, and what's at the heart of it, is it acceptance? Is it love from others? Is it, um, you know, adequacy and think about it that way. Great. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. And, and, uh, um, this is, again, I, people are still kind of shy to ask that, um, they say, well, I, this is a weird question, but how do you put on weight? I'm like, it's really not as weird as you might think. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. It's something that I, I struggle with. I'll, I'll share a quick story um, where it may be important to contact someone like Christy, and I'll give you a second to, in a bit to introduce yourself, um, or just even to do a little bit more research, because a lot of us, almost all of us, have an idea of what's healthy. Like, like I'm not currently living the healthy lifestyle, but if I were, this is what I would do. And a lot of it involves like getting up early, which you don't, you don't have to do don't have to do that in my opinion um and there's uh other than getting really like a certain diet you know a certain exercise plan and a lot of it in my opinion is flawed and it's not the only thing that you have to do like just from a workout standpoint most people in their minds the ideal workout plan if you want to be optimally healthy is way too much you don't like like exercising five hours a day you don't have to do that you don't have to do that it's arguably not good for it in some ways, it, de it definitely is not good for you, uh, depending on, <laughs> on what you're doing, if you're doing it long term. Again, this is something we want to do sustainably for a long time. And when I was a kid, um, this wasn't necessarily, it didn't cause any damage to me, but I thought at the time that eating healthy meant reducing meat and eating more vegetables, not from an ethical standpoint, but just like yeah. I was taught a lot that people yeah. ate too much meat. Um, that, that was like a trend that was going on at the time. So for a couple of months at the time I was a similar height to what I am now. And I was 120 pounds. So I was already pretty skinny. Um, again, I just, again, I, I struggled with putting on weight naturally. Uh, um, as I grew, I naturally bulked up a little bit, but back then I just, <laughs> I ate a lot, but I was, I was really skinny. And, but I didn't restrict my food, but I ate more vegetables instead of meat. And I went for a jog. I went, ran five miles every morning and I ended up being like a hundred pounds. Under pounds at around, I think I was like five, seven, five, eight at a time. Now I didn't have any physical problems, problems that I noticed back then. Like I, I didn't feel like my joints hurt or anything, but I, I was looking at the scale every time. And I was like, if I get under a hundred pounds, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. Now my goal wasn't to lose weight. My goal was just like, I thought this was a healthy lifestyle. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and I, I got to a hundred pounds. I'm like, because I, I see a lot of like super supermodel profiles and a lot of them are under hundred pounds. And I'm like, I'm not a female supermodel, so I, 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 I don't want to get under hundred pounds. So uh, that, that was, um, that was my experience. So I, I guess the lesson behind that is just to share something about myself and to share that it is not that uncommon to have trouble putting on weight. In fact, even now, um, I do eat a sustainable, healthy, happy diet. Um, but I can pretty easily forget because I can really involve my work to sometimes just forget to eat. Um, and I would lose weight very rapidly. I lose weight very rapidly. Just to share a, a, another quick thing is I have this, your diet is very important. 
uh, to your your exercise goals, to your psyche, to a lot of different things. Uh, when I dropped from 165 to 150, 145, 140 pounds, 165 to 140, I kept the same workout plan. I was doing the same stuff. I just ate less. Mm-hmm. I ate less. Now I was going through some stuff in my life at the time to where I didn't have time to eat as much, and I didn't really didn't want to eat as much. So I dropped it almost almost naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but your diet it plays a huge role in in how you are. Um, some people were asking who you are, mm-hmm. uh, what you do, because uh, you mentioned you weren't a dietitian. Um, but before you answer that, I just, I recommend Christy. Um, like the, the, the part of why I'm hosting her here is because I think she can help a lot of you. Um, because this idea of having a psychology behind how we eat is super important. It's almost as important as having a good psychologist if you are having mental mental illnesses um and some people may be wondering you know not a lot um they may be wondering like well if she's not a dietitian she's not going to give me a meal plan why are you hosting her here um and i understand that question i have nothing nothing against you but i mean for me that's comparing someone who's a psychologist and helps people with depression saying well this person isn't a doctor he can't give me a prescription pill um they're, they're just talking to me about the psychology of how I am helping with the d- depression. Why are they here? Again, I'm not trying to make fun of you. It's like, because this is a new concept for some people that yeah. I think this is really important. And I, I know my audience, in my opinion, pretty well. I, I talk with a lot of them almost yeah. daily and yeah. I, I love a lot of you guys. And I really think this can help you. So this is, that is why I'm hosting her here. I don't want to get other stuff wrong. So if you could introduce yourself to the audience again, kind of talk about who you are, where you are, if they want to get in contact with you. Um, I'm sure a lot of them will love that. Absolutely. So um, I'm Christy Brown with Intuitively Strong, and you can find me on TikTok. You can find me on Instagram. You can find my website. And uh, I am a certified nutritionist. So I did go to school to become a nutritionist. Uh, but uh, what I what I do is I, and it's so hard when I tell people, because they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a nutrition coach. And they're like, oh, great. So you do meal plans? I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I help people make peace with food. I help people trust themselves around food again. I help people um, heal their relationship with food because a lot of us don't realize that our relationship with food is a bad one. It's a toxic one. It's one that's going to only worsen with the more diets we do. So um, my goal is to help people take a break from dieting, find your hunger signals again, heal that relationship with food. So your mental space is cleared up. So you don't have to think about macros, good foods, bad foods, food lists, working out calorie burns, uh, what your Fitbit says, if you've cleared all your circles around your Apple watch or whatever it might be. My goal is to get you back to the intuitiveness of your body, of who you are, of what you, what you eat. Um, because how you eat is more important than what you eat. So I'm here to help. I literally DM me. I am so good at getting back on, on DMs. Learn that from Hampton. Um, always connecting with my community because my community, you're my family. So I appreciate you. I love you. And you are like why I'm here. So I just want to help. That is my sole mission in this. Uh, if someone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way? Email, Instagram? 
Yeah. So you, if you go on my website, there's a contact me and you can write anything you want in there. Um, if you DM me on Instagram, I will get back with you for sure. Um, any questions you have, uh, even if you just want to talk to me, I do have like a free discovery call on like a link on my website there too. So, um, let me know what you need. Uh, we can, we can always work something out and I'm, I'm creating new programs at all different levels here. So if you want to like a little bit interested, if it's a money issue, whatever it might be, I'm creating new programs all the time to literally try and fit every, every person's needs. So, right. Um, I can probably just create because a lot of people keep asking me this. Um, uh, is it intuitivelystrong.com? Yes. The, okay. So uh, you can do that. Um, and I'll probably just create like a hypercalisthenics.com slash intuitively strong if you're okay with that. And then you can have a profile there and it, it can link to your website because I get asked about this a lot. You're so sweet. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, and I, I'm happy because I really do think um, that she can help you. I, I, I wouldn't host someone that I think um, that I'm just curious in or uh, I, I wouldn't recommend them. So really, if this sounds like an issue that you're having, please contact Christy um, and let's see how she can help you. Um, as we wrap this thing up, uh, thank you so much for coming here. Is there, you know, I, I know this resonated with people even more than the previous one we did. That was one of my favorite ones, by the way, the previous one we did, because um, you gave a lot of great answers. Um, <laughs> but I know this resonated with people more based on the audience response, because I think during this time, like going through uh, COVID and all, all these things, people have been brought down and their, uh, their emotional, changes, emotional states have changed and this can help a lot of people. Is there any final words that you'd like to give the audience, um, especially people going through that kind of situation right now? Yes. Um, you do not have to look a certain way. You don't have to uh, be super skinny or super like living in a bigger body to have any type of eating disorder. People have eating disorders or disordered eating patterns, I'll say. Um, all like in all shapes and sizes, like you matter. What you're going through matters. And the more that we kind of stick with the same diet culture path of like going back and forth, black and white thinking, um, the worse we're gonna get ingrained into it. So um, if you need help, reach out. And it doesn't even have to be me. It can literally be anybody in this field, um, intuitive eating or food freedom, but you deserve help. You deserve recovery from diet culture, from your eating disorders. This is no life to live. I'm telling you from the other side, like I'm the ghost from your future, <laughs> but this, this life that I'm leading now is harmonious. It's peaceful around food, around my body, around my body image, which is a big thing too, when you have disordered eating patterns. Um, and when you have body dysmorphia, so get help, you deserve help. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to sign off. Thank you so much for coming on here, Christy. Christy Bye. Brown, Thank intuitively you. strong. <laughs> I'm going to stop the recording.